Come on, take a few moments right there and just tell him how worthy. You're so worthy, Lord. Amen, amen. What an honor to be in the house of the Lord with you today. And what an amazing spirit of the Holy Ghost is in this house. If you have a Bible, I would like you to turn with me very quickly to the book of Genesis. And I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 32. And uh, this is the story of Jacob wrestling the angel. And uh, I, I want to read this for you today because I believe the Lord is going to speak to us from this word today. Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 22, the Bible says he rose up that night and took his two wives, bless him, Jesus, and his two women servants and his 11 sons, glory, and passed over the ford, Yavok, and he took them and sent them over the brook and sent them over that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Amen. What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. I want to preach to you today for just a few moments. I'm going to read some more of this story, but I want to preach to you today for just a few moments on this subject, the emptying, the emptying. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you so much and we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for what we feel in this house. It's been so real. It's fresh, Lord, and I thank you for it. I pray now that you would speak to us through your word. You would encourage us. You would grow us. You would mature us. You would convict us. And Lord, I pray this, that we would not just be hearers of this word today, but God, you would help us to be doers of this word today. And Lord, we'll be so careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in this house. And the church shout in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands and give God a shout of praise in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> uh, the story of Jacob is... Uh, kind of one of the stories in the Bible that is a complete story. We, we know a lot about Jacob's life because we're able to follow him and we're privy to the story. The Bible kinds of, kind of brings us along for his entire story. We are there for his birth and we are there for his death. And we kind of see everything in between. There are not a lot of people like this in the Bible who we will, able, we will be able or be privy to their entire life. We don't meet Abraham until he's a grown man. Uh, we don't meet David until he's a, a young teenager. There are several people in the Bible like this that we just get to see everything. And Jacob's story is interesting and it's kind of messy. Uh, anybody got a messy story? Okay, I'm in the, maybe I'm in the wrong house. <laughs> but I know that there's many people in this room today, you got a messy story and Jacob's story is messy. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. He's, he's the second born of twins. And uh, the Lord has told his parents that he will be the chosen one and that he will lead his brother. His brother will serve him. And no one knows that but the parents. And uh, when Jacob is born, uh, he, he's born in such a way that seems like he's a usurper. And he, he's trying to get in the way. And the Bible tells us that his brother Esau 
uh, would be a man of the flesh and that Jacob would be uh, different than Esau. They would be different people. And we realize this in the early years of Jacob's life because we realize that Esau is a man of the field. He's a hunter. He's a gatherer. Um, he's, he's, he's hairy. He's just different. And Jacob's a mama's boy. Uh, we, and, and we know that Jacob's a mama's boy because Jacob can cook. Like he's a good cook. Like, like this man should be on Food Network kind of cook. Like Master Chef kind of cook. And, and we know he's a good cook because one time he made a bowl of beans so good, his brother sold his soul for just a bowl. Now, listen, I've, I've had some good beans in my life. I'm from the country. I'm, amen. I'm from the country. I, 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 I've had some beans that stole my soul. <laughs> Glory to the Lamb. But I have none that made me want to sell my soul. And. Esau said, listen, if you give me a bowl of that porridge, if you give me a bowl of them beans, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my birthright. And this is where we kind of see the inside of both of these people that Esau is willing to give up his spiritual walk with God for something intemporal in the flesh. That's just going to satisfy me for a moment. But, but, and Jacob, we see Jacob, he's willing to steal what's not rightfully his. So we see these two people in the clarity of their character in this moment. Is that Esau is willing to give everything up for a temporal moment. And Jacob's willing to steal and use his skill to take whatever he wants for himself. Esau is a man of the flesh and Jacob is a manipulator. It's literally what Jacob's name means. He's a manipulator. He's a supplanter. He's a cheater. And when, when Esau realizes what's, what's going on, it's a little too late because uh, we, we realize that Jacob uh, got his little... Uh, sneaky ways from his mama because his mama uh, makes a, a special meal for the dad and puts some hair on Jacob's arm. She, she's cheating. And we realize, wait a minute, Jacob got this honest because our kids are always a microcosm of who we really are. Somebody said amen. I, so I thought somebody run the aisles right there. And so our, our, our kids are just, sometimes they just, they just follow in our footsteps and and so the mother plans this moment and when Jacob goes into his father, Esau should be receiving the birthright, but Jacob is there instead and he's, he's, he's disguised, he's disguised the food, he's disguised himself and his father who's blind says, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. We have to be very careful sometimes that we don't get fooled by what we feel. I said, we, we got to be careful that we don't get fooled by what we feel. I, I know it may feel right, but, but your emotions will trick you. I know it may, what, what did it sound like? What did you hear? Amen. That's why the word will never lie to you. A service can lie to you. You can do the lights just right. You can do the songs just right. You can do the preaching just right. And you can make it feel good. But if the word wasn't right. Amen. And this is the moment where. Jacob will officially steal the birthright from his brother. Esau ain't having it. Esau's like, man, that bowl of beans was a long time ago. I want what's mine. And Esau begins to chase him. And Esau's going to kill him. Esau's going to take back what's rightfully his. Rightfully so. No one can blame Esau for wanting what, wanting what is his. You, you're going to steal from me what is mine with just a bowl of beans. And Esau goes out 
on a rampage and he's like, I'm going to find my brother and I'm going to kill him. And Jacob runs for his life. And when he's running, he finds a near kinsman by the name of Laban. This is Jacob's story. And when he finds Laban, he recognizes that Laban has a beautiful daughter by the name of Rachel. She fine. She real fine. I'm going to tell you how fine she is. She's seven years of hard labor fine. My man said, listen, she's so fine, I will work for seven years to have this woman. She's beautiful. But see, Laban has another daughter too, and her name is Leah. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on nobody, what the Bible said. The Bible said she was busted. She was just ugly. And the, I, mean, I mean, listen, listen, when the Bible says you're ugly, you, you're just ugly. That's all there is to it. And the Bible was like, she was not goodly to look upon. You know what that means? That's Greek for she was ugly. <laughs> and <clears throat> so Jacob worked seven years for the hand of Rachel. And I don't know, but I don't know if Jacob knew it or not, but Jacob met his match in a cheater and a manipulator because while, while Jacob on his wedding night, somehow I don't even know how this happened, but Laban was able to sneak Leah in instead of Rachel and the Bible says and in the morning it was Leah bruh how, what did, how did you do me like this now now it's settled it's done this is my wife why would you play me like this Laban's like look man I knew I was never going to get this girl married and you drank a little too much at the wedding and I just took my opportunity I just don't even know how it happened in the morning, it was Leah, and this is a messed up story, y'all. This story is getting more and more messed up as we go. He says, well, look, Rachel's the one I love. Let me marry Rachel now. I'll be married to both of your daughters. He said, I'll let you marry Rachel if you work for me seven years. And she was so fine. He said, yes. I'm going to tell you how fine Rachel was. 14 years hard labor fine. That's fine. She was beautiful, and he loved her. In, the, in that time, though, the Bible says that God saw how Jacob hated Leah, and so he opened up her womb. Listen, you got to be careful, because sometimes if you hate something so bad, got to let it be fruitful. I said, you'll hate something so much that God will let it multiply. And while Jacob is hating on Leah, God has opened up her womb, and she's having children all the time. And when he finally gets around to it, he marries Rachel. And God has shut her womb. And so the woman he hates, he has 11 sons with. And the woman he loves has no children. Story's messy. But see, Laban didn't know that Jacob was just as good as he was. And the whole time that Jacob was with Laban, he was stealing Laban's sheep. He had a plan, he had a process of stealing the sheep of Laban. This man was an embezzler. He embezzled sheep. And the Bible said that Laban woke up one day and realized that Jacob had more sheep than he did. And he said, look, we got to separate here, man. My people striving with your people. You're too big to be around me. I'm too big to be around you. We got to separate. And now Jacob's out on his own. No protection. Just him, his two wives, one that he hates and one that he loves who can't produce him a child. Eleven sons that he didn't even want. Come on, somebody. His story is a mess. 
And his story is with him. He's carrying his story along. Everybody in this room knows that it is impossible to live your life without carrying your story with you. Your story follows you into everything you walk into. Every situation you walk into, your story. You know why some of y'all don't need to get married? Because your story is going to follow you into that marriage and it's going to be a mess. You can't go nowhere without your story. You can't even work a job without your story coming with you. Your story is everywhere you go. Two wives, two maidservants, 11 sons, and all of those sheep I stole from Laban. Everything I have is going with me. And it's difficult to walk anywhere without everything being with you. But Jacob is about to have a moment with God. And the Bible says in the nighttime, he got his two wives and his two maidservants and his 11 sons. And the Bible says in everything that he had, he sent it over the brook, Yabok. And he was left alone. And when I saw this in the scripture, this was just a few weeks ago, the Lord gave me this message because I was reading this story and something caught my attention. What caught my attention was Jacob was left alone. He had to be by himself. This was a moment. It was just him, just him. And listen, here's what you need to understand is that Jacob was not anticipating meeting God. Jacob was anticipating meeting his brother. But when he got alone, something happened. He didn't even realize what he was doing. He didn't even realize that he was preparing himself for an audience with God himself. And when he got alone, and so I looked this up in the word of God, I wondered to myself, what does the Ford Yaboke mean? What does this, this place where he sent his people over and he was alone, what does this place mean? And when I looked it up, the correct pronunciation of the word J-A-B-B-O-K, Yaboke, as we would call it, Yaboke in the original uh, language, it means the emptying. It means that Jacob had to be empty before he could really meet God. It means Jacob had to send over his story before he could really face God by himself. Because too many of us, every time we come to God, we bring everything with us. Lord, I'm this way because of her. Lord, I'm this way because of him. Did I tell you how my daddy did me? Did I tell you how my mama helped me cheat? Did I tell you how my brother hates my guts? Did I tell you how Laban cheated me? Did I tell you how the one I hated has all the children and the one I love can have no children? Lord, here's my story. And every time we come to God, we never come to him empty, but we come to him full with all of our excuses and all of our brokenness and all of our wounds and all of our trouble. And, and me and you find it very difficult and we find it very hard to just come to the Lord, just me. And when Jacob was left alone, when Jacob was empty, all by himself, God said, I'll wrestle you if you're alone. I will not meet you and your stuff. I will not wrestle you and your stuff, just you. I didn't come to fight your wives. I didn't come to fight your maidservants. I didn't come to fight your sons. I just came to fight you. I didn't come to fight your father, your mother. I didn't come to fight Esau. I didn't come to fight Laban. I just want you. But many of us struggle to send everything over. We struggle to send everything away because we like our story with us so we can explain ourselves. 
We want it so close that, 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 that we can tell the story. And, and, and here's how we live our lives. We live our lives in this way. We keep saying, Lord, I will make room for you. And we make a little room for Jesus. I love the song. Thank God for it. But, but, but God don't want room. God doesn't want space. God doesn't want you to clean out a closet so you can put him in there. God, God doesn't want a percentage of your life. Oh, I'm, I'm talking to somebody right now. God, God doesn't want just a few moments in your world. God doesn't want some of you. God doesn't want you to create a little space for him. And, and, and so he can fill up what is empty. God will not share. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody got to hear me today. God is saying, is there anybody in the room that will get empty for me? Anybody in the house that will say, Lord, not them. Lord, not her. Lord, not me. Lord, just me. Just me. Just me. Not all this other stuff. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to preach to somebody today. I'm going to tell you that God is not looking for just some of your life. God said, I don't want just a space. I don't want just room. God said, but if you'll come today and you'll pour out yourself to me, you'll give me everything. You'll give me every last drop. Then I got something I can work with. Then I got something I can feel. Then I got something I can pour into. God said, I need emptiness. If I can find emptiness, I can feel it. If I can find emptiness, I can heal it. If I can find emptiness. We see this in the second book of Kings chapter four, when the prophet, when the, when the woman came to the prophet and she said, sir, my husband has died and he left me nothing. And the prophet said, what do you have? And he said, she said, all I got is just a little bit of oil in the house. He said, well, go to your neighbors and gather empty vessels and, and, and bring the vessels in your house and close the door on you and your sons and pour out. And the Bible said, as long as there was an empty vessel, the oil flowed. But when everything was full, the oil stopped. And that's just a type and shadow to tell us as long as we can bring God something empty, he'll pour into it. But as long as we get full, Too many of us are so full. We're full of our past. We're full of ourselves. We're full of our ego. We're full of our story. And God will not pour himself into a full vessel. And here's where most of us live. Here's where most of us live, Brother Draylon. Most of us live about right here. But we got some stuff. We are more empty than we are full, but we're not empty. You know, we're still carrying a few things. We still got her number. You know, we, we, we know we need to delete it, but we still got it. We still checking up on him. We know he's the problem, but, but, but we're not willing to let it go yet. I, you know, I, I, I'll get down here, Lord. I'll get down to just about nothing, but I don't want to delete that app. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody in the house. Lord, I, 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 I'll get down to just about nothing. And, and, and I'll look the part. I'll walk the part. I'll wear my suit, my tie. I'll come in here looking good. I, I can look more Pentecostal than all of y'all. But on the inside, what you can't see is that I'm still holding on to a little bit. I, God, I want to give you uh, 90%, but I'm going to keep 10% for myself. And I, I'm going to keep blaming everybody for what happened to me when I was a kid. And I'm going to keep holding on to my little story because uh, I'm able to justify my actions by this little bit that I'm keeping 
And can I preach you today that this right here will drive a safe, a safe folk crazy? It'll drive you crazy because when you get down here, when you get down to almost nothing, when, when, when you get down to almost nothing, you think God should really be doing something. And you're confused. God, why aren't you making a way? God, why aren't you opening doors? God, you know, God, why not? And, and God's looking at you like, I see this and this as the same thing. And we're like, Lord, you know, I'm, I, 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 I've got down. I've, you know, I've given almost to everything. And I'm given almost, and I poured out myself. You know, I'm not really going to let that go. But, you know, everything else I've given to you, Lord. And, Lord, why don't you pour into me? And the Lord said, no, I will not dilute my presence. I'm not fighting you and Leah. I'm not fighting you and Rachel. I'm not fighting you and them boys. I'll fight you, but I'm not fighting you and nobody else. You got to send it all over the emptying. There has to be an emptying in the Holy Ghost. There has to be a, I, I got to send it all over. Leave me be. Oh, no, I want to stay with you. No, you got to go. You know, Rachel saying, oh, oh, come on, Jacob. Don't bother. Let me stay with you. No, I got to meet God. You got to go over there. You can't stay with me tonight. You got to go away. You got to go over the brook because God want to do something with me on this side. God said, I'll wrestle with you. Listen, if you, if you know the story of Jacob, I didn't even say this in the, in, in the, first, uh, in, 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 in the first service, but let me add it to this. Y'all lucky. Y'all showed up to the second one. You're going to get a little extra. Listen, God had already met with Jacob. Jacob had already had experiences with God. God had already shown him the heavens, the angels ascending and descending. Jacob, had already, Jacob already had experiences with God, but Jacob had never wrestled God. Oh, listen to me. And me and you, sometimes we get satisfied with experiences. We get satisfied with Sunday as normal. And yeah, I got a good touch today. And man, pastor preach a good message. And whoo, did you see me in the altar? Man, I poured out, I poured out a little bit of that stuff that I've been holding on to. Man, I, I, I really had a good experience with God. I, man, it was a good, it, 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 it was a good conference. And man, it was a good NAYC. And man, I got almost down to nothing. And you can barely even tell that I had anything on the inside. Man, it was real good. I keep having these experiences. But God said, you can have experiences with me all you want to. But if you'll ever wrestle me, if you'll ever fight with me, my question is, have you been living off experiences or have you been just living off of moments or have you been just, just living off of, from prayer meeting to prayer meeting, from event to event or have you really wrestled with God? Have you taken time out and said, God, I'm not leaving till you bless me. I'm not leaving to you. God, God, if, if you're not going to change my walk, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving till you bless me. Has God ever looked at you and said, let me go? Please let me go? No, God, I'm not letting you go. I will not let you go until you bless me. Until I'm changed. Until I'm changed. The angel said, you want to be changed? Yeah, I want to be changed. Tell me your name. Tell me that stuff you ain't told nobody else. Tell me your name. You see, you sent all the stuff over. Good job. Now it's just you. Now tell me about you. Nobody attached to you. Just who are you? 
You see, the reason I'm asking you your name, Jacob, is the last time somebody asked you what your name was, you lied and said it was Esau. And I'm just checking to see if you're going to tell the truth today or not. Will you tell me that last little drop? Will you give me that last little bit? Who are you? And when Jacob says, I'm Jacob, it's more than a name. You have to understand. This is not, you know, this is not the day and time. If I tell you my name's Court, this is because my mama, they thought I was going to be a girl. And surprise, surprise, I was a boy. And three days later, I didn't even have a name. My parents weren't ready to name me. And my daddy said, well, he's brown like me, so let's name him Jeffrey. And my mom said, well, you know what? I've been reading this book, and in the book, this guy's name in the book is Court, and I think that's a cool name. Let's name him Court. So you're looking at Jeffrey Court Chavis. That's the end of it. That's all my name is. My mama needed a name, and my daddy was like, he's brown. <laughs> Facts. Because my, my older brother came out, he was Caucasian. Still is Caucasian. My mama is Caucasian and my daddy is Native American. Some of y'all thought I was Spanish. I'm not. Hable un poquito espanol. No comprende. Sorry. baños. That's it. I could find out where to go to use the bathroom. That's it. Native American. Yes. And, and, and my name is just Jeffrey Court. I mean, and it's as simple as that. But in that day and time, when you had a name, it meant so much. And the name Jacob means liar supplanter, manipulator, and thief. So when he says Jacob, to us, it just sounds like he's just saying a name, but he's telling the truth. He said, man, I'm just a liar. And see, he, he, here's the deal. He doesn't feel like he's doing this, but in the spirit realm, he's doing this. He's saying, I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a supplanter. You see, the problem with most of us is, is, is we, we don't blame ourselves enough. Let me tell you two lies. One lie is don't blame yourself. And the next lie is you should forgive yourself. Those are two lies. Because you can't forgive you. If you could forgive you, why would you need God? I wouldn't need God if I could forgive myself. I got to trust in his forgiveness. That's how I forgive me as I take my stuff to the altar and, and I show faith and trust when I leave it there. And I walk in no condemnation because I know his blood is good enough for me. That's how I forgive me. I go to the cross and I let the cross forgive me. And I, and I go, I, I fall at his feet and I say, I am Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a supplanter. I'm no good. And it's not Laban's fault. And it's not Esau's fault. And it's not my mama's fault. And it's not my brother's fault. It's just me. I am the problem. My, I'm listen, I'm going to tell somebody right now, if you could ever say that you're the problem, if you could ever admit that you're the problem, there would be so much freedom in your life. Listen, the world has told us a lie when it told us to hold on to it and never admit it. It's a lie from the devil. It is my problem. Yes, they hurt me, but they didn't make me do that. Yes, they wounded me, but they didn't make me lie and cheat and steal. Yes, I was hurt when I was a child, but they didn't make me turn to drugs. They didn't make me turn to alcohol. No, I did that. That was me. That was my choice. And I'm the problem. I'm Jacob. It was me. 
It was, the whole time it was me. The whole time it was just me. I was Jacob. And when Jacob finally got it out, just me, God said, no longer shall you be called Jacob. No longer shall you be. I'm going to put my name in you, boy. From now on, you shall be called Israel. And like a prince, you're going to have power. I got some. If you can ever get empty, God said, I'll pour into you. I'll speak into you. I'll give you life. I'll give you liberty. I'll give you hope. I'll give you joy. But as long as you're holding on, I can't do it. As long as you're holding on, I can't do it. You should be, I'll change your name. I'll change your name. You'll never be called Jacob again. You shall be called Israel. For like a prince, you're going to have power with God. The whole Bible's caught up in this moment. The, the whole Bible, the, the entire Bible is caught up in this moment. If me and you are waiting for Acts chapter 2, 38 to see the salvation plan, we've missed it. We missed it. It's right here. It's tell me who you are. Repent. I'm Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a supplanter. Repent and be baptized in the name. I shall give you a new name. I shall change your name. And after that, ye have received the Holy Ghost. You shall have what? Power. And like a prince, you shall have power with God. We see it all right here. We see repentance. We see the name. And we see the power. We see the infilling of power. And we see it right here. God was showing us, this is how you get saved. This is how I change you. You tell me who you are. I tell you who I am. And I give you power. I give you power to tread upon serpents, power to cast out devils, power to pray for the sick. I give you power. If you will give me everything, I'll give you everything. But 99 and a half won't do. We need emptying. We need emptying. We need emptying. Listen. I don't, I don't want to offend nobody today. And if I'm wrong, Pastor, you can fix me later. But I think everybody ought to be in therapy. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Yes, I do. I believe in baptism. Absolutely. But I think you ought to go to therapy. I'm just going to tell you. Especially, listen, I need therapy. I got some stuff. You know why therapy works? It's because therapy is where you tell it all. I can tell it all to you. They're not magical. I don't care what kind of degree they got. They're not magical. It's just I go to a place where I know I can tell somebody everything and I don't have to fear that they're going to tell my business. And so I just tell it and I can tell everything I empty, I empty. And when you, there's always clarity in emptiness. There's always, there's always something fresh about telling it all. Listen, God gives you an opportunity every week to come to an altar and tell it all. The greatest therapy that you're ever going to get in your life is when you go to the counselor. That's what the Bible said he was. The Bible said he was our counselor. When I go to the counselor and I tell him, oh, Lord, they hurt me when I was 10. Lord, they betrayed me. Lord, she cheated on me. Lord, he left me with nothing. I'm telling you everything. I'm emptying. I'm sending my story away. 
I send my excuses away. And I face God, just me. It's my fault. It's me. I'm closing. I'm almost done. I stand before you today as a preacher, but I also stand before you today as a person. I've tried very hard, Sister Hoffman, to maintain my humanity in my ministry. A lot of guys lose humanity when, uh, when the Lord calls them to ministry. And I, I, I'm not going to lie, I don't judge anybody because I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard sometimes to maintain your humanity. You see, but I'm standing before you today, I'm preaching to you about this emptying. But, but I know, you see, I was a minister, that, I was in my 30s. A minister of the gospel, a traveling evangelist. And when I tell you I had poured myself out to the Lord, oh, listen, I'm a, I'm a combat veteran. I spent a year in combat in Iraq, 2004. And listen, if, if you can't get right with God in a combat zone, you can't get right with God. There's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. I lived that. I went with men who said they didn't believe. But after we got bombed and we got shot at and we had to do unthinkable things, I watched those men change their mind. Those same men who said they didn't believe would come to me at night and say, hey, Javis, would you, would you pray for me? I, my mind, bro, I can't. Oh, yeah. I walked that walk. <clears throat> I got right with the Lord at the age of 25 in a combat zone. I said, Lord, why am I here? He said, sorry about that. He said, I said, Lord, why am I here? He said, because of you. I got to change. He said, I want to use you, but I can't use you like this. And listen, when I tell you I poured myself out at 25, can't nobody tell me no different, y'all. You can't tell me no different. I poured myself out. Here's my problem. There's one thing I would never get rid of. And uh, that one thing I couldn't deal with was uh, a family member hurt me between the ages of nine or eight and ten. And uh, he, he stole my innocence. He, told, he stole my childhood. See, I swore a vow of silence because I come from a tight family. And even as a child, I knew if I talk, this thing's going to get ugly. So I carried it. <clears throat> Here's a problem. I carried it with me into everything. I carried it with me into every job. I carried it with me into every situation. I carried it with me into every relationship. I carried it with me. I didn't, I didn't even know it was too heavy for me. <clears throat> and at 25, I poured myself out to the Lord. But I, at 25, I still didn't give him that. You know why? Because I felt justified in it. I, I can hate. I can hate this person, and it's fine. And, and, and when I tell you that I hated somebody, I'm not, listen, some of y'all got people that you don't like. But there's a few of you in here, you know what hate really means, like hate. Like, like I want to kill you, hate. Like I hope you burn in hell, hate. I hope I can see it. This is the kind of hate that at the age of 16, this person was murdered. And as my family stood around his grave and wept and cried because of his death, I cried because I'm not the one that got to murder it. That thing that I thought I could carry with me in silence, I couldn't. And at 25, 
I was willing to give God everything, but I was not willing to give God that. And by the age of 30, I was traveling the world, preaching and ministering and watching people be set free, but I couldn't be set free. God would use me. God, God gave me experiences. But I fell into a deep depression. My wife would ask me, what's wrong with you? I said, babe, I don't know. For a year, for a year, I walked in dark depression. I was still preaching. I would come to the altar. I would come to the pulpit. The Lord would fill me with his presence. I would preach powerfully under his anointing. People would be saved. People would be healed. I watched blinded eyes open. I watched people get out of wheelchairs. I watched God heal diabetes. And I would go back to my hotel room and fight the devil face to face. Face to face. I'll be, I'll be 100% transparent with you. But then I remember nights that I would sit in my hotel room. I would open the window. I would look down the road. I could see the lights of the little corner store in front of my hotel. And I would fight the urge. I would fight the urge to go down there, buy me a pack of Newport shorts, buy me some wild Irish, go sit on the corner, smoke me one, and just drink and just get away. I would put my hand on my hotel door and say, God help me. Tears, pain in my, God help me. Finally, one day a pastor called me and he, he told me he wanted to help me. God had showed him my woundedness. That's a whole other story, but for a year he counseled with me. I, I finally got counseling. I told him everything. He told me, he said, Court, I, I think your problem is you're full of hate and unforgiveness. I fought back with him. I said, no. He said, what? I said, no. I said, I, I can't. I can't. That is too much to ask of me. I can't. He deserves it. Whatever hell he's going to live, he deserves it. You have no idea how he hurt me. You have no idea how my life has changed because of him. I will not give that up. I fought it. Openly, I fought it. I, I, I prayed to God. I opened my mouth to the Lord. I talked to the Lord like he was just a, a friend from down the street. And I told God, God, no, 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 no. This is too much to ask of me. I don't even know how to start. How do I start? What do I say? He's dead. He's been dead for 16 years. What do I say to a dead man? How do I, how do I even start that? God, no. So one day I couldn't take it no longer. I couldn't take the sleepless nights. I couldn't take the brokenness. I looked at my wife and my kids. They knew something was wrong with me. I couldn't even articulate what was wrong. I was scared to tell anybody else because I was afraid they'd take my license and kick me off the evangelistic field. It's a terrible place to be. I said, you know what? Forget it, man. Okay. All right. All right, God. I hear you. Let's go. I told my wife, I said, I won't be back. I'm, I'm going away for a little while. I got in my car and I began to drive. I drove to a little old country road. I drove to an abandoned graveyard. I went to a little plot of land. I stood over the grave. And I said, 
I forgive you. I cannot tell you what happened. When I said I forgive you, immediately I was filled with empathy. I could see it. I could see it so clearly. It hit me so hard. He hurt me because he was hurt. It was a curse. It was a family curse. His generations upon him. And he just acted out what he had. And it, my heart was full of love for him. I couldn't, I couldn't explain it. Tears. I fell on the ground. My breath was taken away. My heart was beating out of my chest. I began to cry in a way I've never cried before. It touched me in a place I've never been touched before. And I realized, wait a minute, this is a curse and I just broke it. This was a chain on my family. Man, it just broke off of me. I realized in that moment, I had tapped into something with God that I never tapped into before. I could see his love for me. I could see that agape love, an unconditional type of love that would look past sin and look past brokenness and look past my story and only see me. And when I felt that moment in God, I began to weep and cry. And when I stood up from that grave, I've never been the same man. I've never walked in depression again. I've never walked in brokenness. The chains fell off of me. I realized that if he had not done what he had done, I would not be the man that God called me to be. I saw it all happening. I saw two plus two making four. I realized, God, this is it. This is my story. Because God didn't change my past. God didn't change him. God didn't change her. God didn't change them. God just changed me. Hey, Jacob, when you get up from here, Rachel's still across the river. Leah's still across the river. Them boys are still across. I'm not changing them, Jacob. I'm changing you. And Jacob hated Leah. But Israel said, bury me with Leah because he realized every beautiful thing in my life came from the ugly woman and can I tell you today I stand before you as a man that can testify the beautiful things in my life came from my brokenness the anointing you feel in this room today emanating off of my word and emanating off of my transparency can only be real if it's real you can't fake this you can't fake this this is real and I'm preaching to somebody today that needs to empty out you gotta tell the truth you gotta spill the beans on yourself you gotta just be Jacob for once just, just take it, take it, just be Jacob cause if you'll be Jacob he'll pour into you there's a realization that I had to go through this so that I could be this and the only reason, Sister Hoffman, I was a 40-year-old man before I told my mother and father. And the only reason I told my mom and dad is because I began to embrace my story. And I knew that God wanted me to tell it. And I knew that God wanted me to help other people that have been hurt like me. And I didn't want my mom and dad to find out no other way but from me. And so as a 40-year-old man, I've only been telling the story for three years of my life. As a 40-year-old man, I began to tell, I told my mother and father sitting in my truck one night, 
I said, Mom and Dad, I got to tell you a story. I said, but before I begin this story, let me start this story by telling you this. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm good. You need to know that your son is fine. And God is using me in a mighty way. I'm just giving you the information. I'm not coming to you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not holding you accountable to anything. I chose not to tell you as a child. I chose not to tell you. But now I'm telling you as a man because God is wanting me to share this so that chains can be broken off of people. You need to know this today that if you'll come to this altar and you'll pour yourself out, God has something for you. I wonder if there's anybody in this room today who would like to come to an altar. Come on, this altar is open. Who would like to come and just say, Lord, I pour out. I pour it out, God. I don't even know where to start, but Lord, here it is. Here it is. I don't even know how to control it, Lord, but here it is. Here's my brokenness. Here's my woundedness. Here's my unforgiveness. Come on, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. God's doing something right now. God's breaking some chains right now. God's opening some doors right now. Can you feel what I feel? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come and would you pour yourself out? Would you come in honesty? Would you come in realness? Would you come in transparency? And would you say, Lord, whatever you want to do, do it in me. Come on, let it flow out. Let it flow out from the front to the back. You may not even want to come today. It may be too much for you, but right where you're sitting, why don't you lift your hands and lift your voice and say, Lord, here it is. Here's my stuff, Lord. Tell him he can hold it. He can hold it. 